0: Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church, Historic Christian Orthodoxy, the Evangelical Lutheran Faith, in the beautiful inland northwest. At 7,123 feet, you can find mountains soaring above you and rivers running swiftly in the valley below you, natural beauty of every kind. But our God is richer in his gifts than this.
1: Dr. Koons, since we last chatted, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, you have moved across country, uh, and that—that's a neat thing. A lot of good things yep. there. There's, there's been a lot of news, and I don't even really know know where to start. I I have I want to ask you to be a prophet a little bit, but it's only gonna be <laughs> like like well, a, like a ten day kind of thing. Like you don't okay. have to go yeah, like sure. like many years or return yeah. of our Lord or anything like that. Easy stuff. Yeah, so we got that, but. Um, before we even get to that idea, because that, that's my favorite one, I think, um, I got I got two others that uh, maybe should just be front loaded. And one of them is uh, with regards to President Biden, Justin Trudeau, everybody who is not a Republican and even the rhinos are actually doing it to yep. responding to the Texas shooting with the same line that the problem is the guns. Uh, right. The problem is the guns. The problem is the guns. And the argument being made by um, those same church leaders who maybe shut down churches or encourage churches to shut down for the sake of protecting their neighbor are now making arguments along the lines of that the Christian thing to do is to give up your rights because that's what a pro-life person, if they were really pro-life, would do. You lay down your rights for others. And then there's always just kind of the, my favorite. Well, you know, would Jesus own a gun? Um, that kind of gets thrown out there. So, any way you want to tackle this pinata and uh, and deal with, it. I, I'm not sure we can keep our gun rights in the U.S. I don't know. I think it's going to be hard for them to take them away. But the yeah. long the long game, I think they just slow roll us out of this thing. Um, but right. love to hear your thoughts.
0: Okay, so. One of the really helpful things about gun control discussion is that it has already occurred in very, very similar forms in other advanced countries. So Australia had a shooting in the mid-90s that led to, partly because just their political spectrum is positioned to the left of ours. So they these things sort of overlap in all the Anglophone countries, but we're maybe the most right-wing English-speaking country as far as where our spectrum lies on any given topic. But pretty much any Anglophone country had pretty extensive, let's say, gun rights historically. And when Australia shifted, it shifted pretty hard. You had big gun buybacks. And what that resulted in was uh, not an actual absolute obliteration of crime or something. I think that one of the one of the biggest things to remember in any discussion about crime and crime with guns in the United States is that the United States is not a you know homogeneous culturally uniform everyone knows how to behave everyone sort of understands each other kind of a society like a Norway or a Japan where if we take away guns and then you're only allowed to have a gun to hunt or something, which is what most, you know, urbanites and suburbanites even understand by what guns are for, right? Oh, it might, it's for hunting, which I don't even know anybody that does that. But if you want to do that, why do you need a quote assault weapon to do that? And so on, no understanding of guns as tools, no understanding of guns for self-defense, just that's the thinking, right? So if we went to that, we would not have, a crime rate like Japan or Norway. The country, and we've made this comparison on the show before, but the country that is probably the most like the United States in the enormous diversity, enormous poverty, and many other factors is Brazil. And Brazil did gun confiscations, and they wound up with simply tons of guns in the hands of criminals, who obviously are not deterred by the law. That's kind of what they do. And no self-defense such as we had the other day with a guy in Charleston, West Virginia, who was shot by a woman who was carrying a pistol, you're not going to be able to do that. So you'll just wind up with more crime and more difficulty and lower quality of life for average people, which as we're going to be talking about maybe this week, but certainly getting into the next weeks with the history of agriculture in the US and food and, and what food did we eat and and who ate what food, and and did it get better? Did it get worse over time? The thing to notice, if you haven't noticed this already on the show, is that when we talk about things going badly, what we often mean is a decline in the average quality of life of an average person. We're not saying that Nancy Pelosi or Bill Gates or something is not going to have gun protection. Okay, They actually have it probably pretty much at all times when they're in public and, and maybe when they're at home, I don't know. We don't have that, right? And so I think a, I, one of the just really big misconceptions that people have when they talk about gun control in the United States is that somehow if we just take guns away, these problems will go away. There is a common thread, obviously, in each school shooter of using guns. There are other common threads that don't get picked up on. Okay. So one common thread is Ramos in Uvalde, Texas, had a part time, I think, fast food job, but he had a $2,000 rifle with $600 optics on it. Okay. So that, that <laughs> probably more expensive than the car he was red, driving.
1: Red flag? What's going on? You know, yeah, uh, red yeah, flag. What? And what?
0: Not, not red flag like mental health. You shouldn't buy a gun, red flag. Red flag, like
1: (laughs) different kind of grooming. Different kind of, yeah, different
0: kind of grooming. Right, exactly. And we've talked about this, and we saw this. I mean, I, I, I sort of wish that we hadn't been propagandized so heavily in the early 2000s to just absolutely hate Muslims, because, okay, whatever. I mean, I, I, I'm not a Muslim. The difficulty here is it prevents for people from understanding that federal agencies will use the same tactics on someone who is essentially miserable, essentially hates his life, finds a way to take out revenge on other people. They they did all that with Somalis growing up in Minnesota and you know Arabs growing up in New Jersey who wished that they had grown up in Saudi Arabia but their parents moved to New Jersey to make more money or have a bigger house or something and everyone's miserable. There are common threads here of You know, suspect was known to the FBI. That's a common thread Mm -hmm. And, and a common thread that is never discussed. But as far as any records that I've ever found, right, so I'm not saying every single school shooter since school shootings began to be a big deal in the 1990s, right? Because just real basic history here is that rifles are common in American life. They're common in American history. They're even common in American high schools up to roughly the 1980s. When you still have rifle teams, both competition and then also ROTC teams in American high schools and in rural high schools, the one that I went to, for example, people still for a while had guns in their trucks in the parking lot, right? So that was all something and and guns are just a part of life. They are a tool. They're like hammers or washing machines. Okay, Dangerous, obviously, more dangerous than a hammer generally almost always more dangerous than a washing machine, but they're a tool. The thing that really changes and the common thread that I've found in pretty much any school shooting that I've looked into, in addition to mass shootings that don't involve schools, so Aurora, Colorado, the guy that shot up the the movie theater, I think that was on Christmas Eve, James Holmes, is the significant use of psychotropic medication.
1: Hmm.
0: And that that really never gets discussed. And this is something where similar to, if you go back to 1986 and you look at vaccine injury immunity for pharmaceutical uh, companies, and then 1986 is when you go from, okay, you need 15 injections or whatever, if you're a kid, to you need 78 injections, you know, within your first, whatever, six years of life, eight years of life. You have a very similar dynamic with the prescribing of psychotropic medication and a pretty uniform pattern, certainly in school shooters, as well as in other people saying, I don't, I don't feel like myself, or I'm not myself, or whatever. And, but they're, they're assured that you know whatever they're on is safe, so they, they go back on it. Or they come off it quickly, and they're severely addicted to it, but either coming off fast, or being on it for a long time with horrible side effects. Is a commonality in pretty much all of these shootings, and that, of course, never gets discussed because it's a just a given of modern American life that that most of us, or in in certain demographics, almost all of us, are on some form of psychiatric medication to get through life, and that that that's something with shooters that, in addition to the unhappiness, the sadness. I mean, nobody ever says, "Well, why don't." why don't the homeschoolers go shoot up gatherings of home i mean there are gatherings of homeschoolers it's not it's not like it couldn't be done but why does that not happen why is it always somebody who is miserable in school you know and and so he's going to go back to the school and punish all these people why is medication involved as heavily as it is that is never brought up so then guns guns are the sole focus as if taking you know guns away from this guy who isn't shooting people would solve the problem. That's the idea. In fact, so you're then hateful
1: would... if you do not let them do that to you. And that's where, that's right. for me, yeah. the argument is like everything you said makes sense. But then yeah. the, the the people who are into who don't already agree with you are effectively saying it's just hateful of you not to lay your gun down because you're just so hateful. Right. You're, you're an anti-vaxxer. I mean, it came up. It's amazing how fast the topic changed. Like you, yeah. You're like those anti-vaxxers. Wait, wait how, how, What does that have to do with this? Right? Why is that? There's was like three tweets in. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. You know. But, yeah. but it's it is this emotional drive that you are not loving if you do not give up your rights, and that's where I think there's the the, the spiritual sickness which is I- impacting our culture of death that is leading to young people who are and older people too, frankly, who are so filled with despair that they go and do this.
0: Right. Uh, well,
1: yep. I would say it's probably more. Connected to their belief that being good means giving up their rights than anything else, I mean, I, I think there's a direct connection there in terms of the way that we're taught to think about life. That to be a good man is to not have honor, but is to lie down.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, so, I want to I want to talk about the the rights thing kind of a, a little bit more abstractly in a second, but I want to start where you did with the idea that when you're you're talking to somebody who is really. Enslaved to the 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 quote news cycle, right? And if you if you were born after maybe 1995, it may be difficult. And maybe even if you were and you were around and you remember watching TV before 1995, it may still be difficult to remember. But if you're born after, you may never have known that the news wasn't something that people were looking at constantly. It was a show that happened generally in the evenings. It it wasn't absolutely ubiquitous in every facet of life so especially once with the gulf war and then various domestic tragedies especially the columbine shooting in 1999 the news became a constant barrage of words and images and talking points and people began to watch it constantly right this is even before smartphones and then smartphones brings that to everybody you so start getting what, the
1: cable news networks and stuff. That's
0: right. Yeah. And so what that what's that is going to produce is a population that, as it were, has no immune system for its thought, because it doesn't have capacity, time, or space for thought. It has capacity, seemingly infinitely expandable capacity, even into, you know, I'm I'm still awake at 2 30, I'm reading the news, I'm I'm not going to sleep anymore capacity for being told what is happening, how to feel about it, how to frame it, how to think about it. And when that is combined with, you know, a general decline, let's say a decline in reading or some of these other cognitive realities, including the cognitive reality of much of the population, especially predominantly females, being on some form of SSRIs, right, or SNRIs, those those psychotropic medications to sort of manage life, manage anxiety, manage whatever, right? You don't want to ask what the conditions of your life are that are making life feel that way. You just are going to, you're going to have this, this fix through pharmaceuticals. When that, when that's the case, when cognitively we're just not prepared to think, it doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter if you say, right, but, you know, here's why the second amendment exists or, you know, Hey, not just the second amendment. I mean, it would be, it's, it's almost unthinkable if you give them a deeper background of the second amendment and you say, Hey, let me tell you about how they were suspicious about standing armies full stop.
1: Right, (laughs) right, right. (laughs) Right.
0: Like that, it doesn't even matter because they're not, they're actually capable of thought. They don't, they don't use those muscles ever. So in the same sense that their bodies are, you know, just in all probability, obese, you know, inflamed, whatever is going on. Also, their their minds, right, their spirits are not attuned to anything other than emotional reactions. And so that, that's why I think that road is so short between, you know, hey, maybe the problem isn't that too many people are buying $2,000 rifles and shooting other groups of people. Maybe the problem is, you know, this, or maybe the problem is that. They can't do that because it, it's almost like when you start with people, you have to start with a combination of extreme reserve about what it is that you actually think. And I don't, I don't even mean hiding it. I just mean like you need to not like spout right away mm-hmm. because it doesn't even work, right? Mm-hmm. Because yep. those they do have those defenses up. So you have to have extreme reserve on your own part and then you have to have the ability to kind of lead them if you possibly can, but it's a very long, slow process because you're not dealing with people whose rationality has been
1: used at all. No, they've just been moved emotionally, which is where the one this is most one of the most depressing things about this issue for me is it's an irreconcilable political issue between two groups that just are not going to change. Right. They're just not going to.
0: Yeah, I I think when when guns or abortion come up, that that, that's that's when I start wondering, like, okay, how is our next 1860 going to play out?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, because it's like okay, well, we we can we can figure out this or we can we can, you know, do a quid pro quo on infrastructure here or whatever. But when you start talking about you're allowed to own a gun or not or you're allowed to murder a child or not, it becomes so irreconcilable. It's it it, it seems almost impossible to remain in the same body politic at that point.
1: Yeah. I would I would put the uh oh trans story time close to the same same issue um, yeah. if not exactly so so yeah. moving to the rights though i mean again so the rights you got to yeah. give up your life rights to be pro life if you don't give up your rights then you 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 can't be pro life and and you got to understand abortion is okay because you won't give up your rights and lay down your guns
0: yeah so that's a basic misunderstanding of what we mean by rights and it, it it's a thinking about rights that is partly the result of especially christians knowing some sort of vague sentiments of Christianity, and then not knowing anything about the political and legal history of the place they actually live, whether you're talking about the United States or their state or whatever. Because what is meant politically speaking by rights, it are natural rights, right? The right to life is not something that someone quote gives up Okay. And this also involves Christians constantly jumping into almost homiletical metaphors. So they'll call on Christian language. This is how this works. Like when, uh, like the, I, I want to say he's a Baptist minister in Georgia, Raphael Warnock, who's a democratic senator from Georgia. This is how this works with the religious left, but it works in the same way on the religious right. That is, they will call in some motif, usually from the death of Jesus almost never about the resurrection of Jesus. That's something just to note, okay? Resurrection is is almost never something that you're actually called to do. Death, giving up rights, okay, is is framed in that specific way, right? So that you go along with their political agenda and then don't discuss what the consequences of that would be. So if I were doing this with rational people, I would be able to say, okay, I give up my right to own magazines over a certain capacity, whatever, whatever it is that you think is necessary. I'm going to go into some sort of continental European style. Like you have to belong to a hunting club to even use a gun or whatever. Okay. Or I have to be in a militia sanctioned by the government, a la the Swiss army in order to have a gun at home, whatever the case is. Right. If I do that and then I say, okay, how is that going to affect public safety? Well, you can't do that because they're not talking to you rationally, and they're not talking to you about something that they actually believe comes from any other source than the government. So to them, it doesn't matter that, you know, there may be all these other knock-on effects. The issue is always the centralization of power. Yeah. They want power to come more and more and more into the government's purview because no one's suggesting that we're going to disarm the government right which is actually <laughs> which is actually the founding fathers contention is that we should not have an armed government except on a local level i don't want a standing army because this is the kind of thing it's going to lead to so we're we're very far from that and we're not really talking and we're almost never talking even in good faith about rights and especially natural rights that is you have a right to life you have a right to defend yourself against aggression the possession of firearms is just an extension of that right of self defense to a world situation in which there are guns rather than i don't know blow darts right that that's all that is right that's all that is so it's a recognition that citizens should be able to defend themselves from the depredations of criminals and I'm trying not to repeat myself. Maybe I am the government, right? That's the idea. It's very simple. They're natural rights. I can't give them up. I can't give them up. And I mean, they cannot be used. They cannot be observed. They cannot be honored, but I can't give them up because they're given to me by God. That's the contention, right? So it's not some call to like be just like Jesus in giving up your rights. The other issue here is that that discussion of natural rights, which is recognized this was also an issue with us during COVID, natural right to self-defense is the very thing the Magdeburg Confession brings up when it talks about the right to defend those under your authority, even your own body, from depredations. That discussion of natural right is not the same thing that is meant in the New Testament by Jesus Christ, not counting equality with God, a thing to be grasped, right? Took on the form of a servment. That's That's all. He can do all that. He can, right? I'm a creature. I can't give up rights that my creator has given me. I can live in a country that doesn't recognize them. I can say that this is somehow, you know, not something that people understand in my country. I, I'm saying that right now about the right to self-defense, but I can't give them up. So, the idea that somehow, like, as a Christian, especially as a Christian pastor, I should be out front being like, No, please take my guns. Like, I don't want to defend my family anymore. I don't want to hunt. No, please take my guns away. Right. It, I mean, that it's, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Okay. Because I can't give them up. They're, they're, <laughs> they're not mine to give or to take. That's the idea. That's That's why murdering the innocent is wrong. You have taken a life, it was not yours to take right? That's precisely why abortion is wrong. So that, that argument and that rhetoric, let's say inflected by Christianity, is going to still be used in America as long as we have enough Christians, and especially in spaces where there are Christians, like the Missouri Synod, who w- can be appealed to on the basis of, well, this is what Jesus would do. And what is really funny to me is that because this always comes from either the left of our denomination or the left of Christianity generally. I mean, it's just like most Catholics who talk in public sound like this too. Okay. These are people who in actual practice care very little about many things in congregations. <laughs> so if I if I said, you know, Raphael Wardock you're very concerned about gun control or whatever Catholic bishop, you're very concerned about gun control. What are, how are the, what? How are the marriages and the divorces going on in Hmm. your congregation or your diocese or your whatever? You know, this is a this is a primary concern. Okay, no big deal. You know, drag queen story hour, reading to the kids. They were silent. Right, our people were not being given a choice to preserve their own life according to their conscience, but they needed to get vaccinated in order to obtain their retain their jobs. Many of our people. Many of our religious leaders, clergy, silent, right? So it's always very selective too, right? It's highly selective, and it's going to flow with the flow of that media narrative that they're, they've are they been plugged into since at least the early 1990s.
1: It's that selectivity that I think makes it so infuriating for me, and I yeah. really I really yeah. do find infuriating. Your language from a moment ago, it's a conversation that's just not in good faith is not in good right. faith. Yeah. They're not going to stay still and hold to a point that they made a moment ago. They're going to shift and move. And even though there's someone who might be otherwise rational when it comes to like how they cook or something, like yeah. in, in this Sphere of conversation, they're right. just going to cheat. They're going to intellectually cheat, and they're going to accuse you of things they do, and then they're going to um, not let you do what they do. Right? So it's right. um, and that's where again the the irreconcilable nature of this thing is is disturbing to me. I don't really think it's a good idea if uh, American citizenry has to use guns to keep guns. I I don't I don't really like want that future. Yeah, but I'm pretty right. sure there's like a good chunk that'll do it, regardless of what I think about it. So even if I'm like on the side where I think we should get rid of the guns, which I'm not because I would like to defend my house against violent home intrusion. But even if I were, I don't know how they can't see that they're advocating for violence. They they are to say, let's to give up the guns. Yeah, they're advocating for a violent future on these shores. And. That that blows my mind again. But your your point, you know, they're they're just parodying emotional talking points that they've been fed, spoon fed, right. you know, IV fed for thirty years now.
0: Right. Yeah. And if, if you if you know enough of the history, you're gonna you're gonna see this come up over and over again. I mean, I, I was reading an otherwise totally unrelated book about preaching, printed by Concordia Publishing House in the late nineteen seventies, and the guy was denouncing whites whites for being white supremacists Ugh. just full stop as a group wow. right and this is this is in a book that's that's about the relevance of preaching you know so the more things change the more they stay the same and we're we're going to have these things i think one thing for the listeners to think about is that you need to have not only that that patience that we talked about a little bit earlier in dealing with people or just the the knowledge of when to engage and when not to engage but you also need to understand that these things do ebb and flow, and they will move on to a different talking point. Now, that's not a long-term solution. It's simply a recognition that you don't have to be sucked into every vortex created for your destruction because these kinds of situations come up so often. And so now gun control is a, talk- a big talking point. Does anybody remember Parkland? Do they remember bump stocks? I mean, I'm sure our listeners, very, very bright people remember these things, but I, I'm, I'm bringing up things that are getting increasingly obscure. You know, what, what was the gun charge on which Randy Weaver was brought under such intense suspicion and, you know, uh, helicopters were sent to his home in Idaho? You know, all of these things are, are fairly obscure. You know, Willie Grills knows these things. That's why we brought him on. But most people don't know these things and they will forget about them, too. Right. So the the deeper spiritual sickness that I see is not just the discussion of guns, gun ownership, et cetera. It is which you can see is internationally coordinated. I mean, Trudeau is now introducing anti-handgun legislation in Canada. Right. I mean it's it's like, guys, you need to be a little more subtle about this kind of thing.
1: You would think, but maybe not. Seems (laughs) to be working, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's the that's the brazenness that we talked about a couple of weeks back. But But the deeper spiritual sickness, I think, is the absolute addiction to these emotional talking points, especially on things that impact people's everyday lives. And it it is as if through these media, people's souls are taken from them. Mm -hmm. Because when you talk to them about things like this, and especially when you talk to them online about things like this. It is as if they are not human. I don't don't know how else to say it. Mm -hmm. A look comes into the eyes or a tone comes into the words and you're no longer dealing with a human being. Whereas Mm. if I talk to somebody who's, let's say, over the age of 80, so too old even really to have generally watched significant amounts of television and certainly and obviously not in childhood, those people are just living in a different place. And it, and it is a better place. And I'm not even talking about what they specifically think about a given issue. There's just a, a calmness or a humanity or a set of manners available to them that don't exist, certainly not on the internet, but increasingly in everyday life.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So a while back, you brought up um, a, a vortex of darkness that would suck you into it, and you brought up, you know, white supremacy. So I think those are both very. Closely connected to the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization, which has been meeting in the last week and a half or so. And there's a lot of stuff that went on there. There were people getting, you know, uh, reporters being kept out of stuff and yada, yada, yada. It's very interesting. Yes. But the most interesting thing to me is the pushback from Africa on the treaty. Are you familiar with any of that and have thoughts on on the African continent saying no to giving up their sovereignty to the World Health Organization?
0: Yeah, so... Africa, Africa is a place where they, ha- they, have a, they have a knowledge of essentially experimentation on their populations. India is also similar in this way, that a lot of us do not have, or as I brought up earlier with psychotropic medications, we, we have little cognizance of, partly because it's been going on longer here, partly because... Implementation of things like vaccination campaigns in Africa is always more fitful and obviously attended by dysfunction and destructiveness than it is with us where things are sort of function, like they function, right? Like vaccines were rolled out, vaccines were available, right? Whereas let's say you're in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, you're in the eastern part of the country, we have to keep the vaccines that are whatever have to be administered we have to keep them cold for the next two days after we've taken them off the boat at the dock that was closest to where we're going to walk to the village where they're going to be administered you see like i mean africa is in its way kind of like i mean people talk about oh we're going to go to the moon we're going to go to mars africa is already strange enough in its enormousness and what they therefore have some political cognizance of And like i said india has some of this cognizance a lot of formerly colonial countries have some of this remembrance and and some parts of the united states do too this is this is if you're you know interested in these things this is a lot of what makes appalachia distinctive is a memory of someone trying to force you to do something and it happened and then it didn't work the way that they promised and you remembered that right? And so it doesn't surprise me that there is opposition. The thing that I fear is that what will then be offered in exchange is not hard bargaining. Okay, they could do that. And I think that that's going to happen anyway with grain shortages vis-a-vis Africa, not even as a bargaining chip, just as an ongoing problem. But what I think it would happen is that there's going to be some offers of somehow to bring them because what you can see is that when things are utterly resistant, what you what our system does internationally, but this also happens nationally and even individually with people, you get someone pushing back, someone angry, whatever, making good points, being persuasive. What's going to be done there is not necessarily to eliminate that person, that voice. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to invade Burkina Faso if they're part of, and I don't know, I just just a random African country, if they're part of resistance to the World Health Organization, what's going to be done is co-option. That I think is the most common tactic is co-option. So let's offer you this, or let's give you another Chinese administered port, or whatever it is that you're looking for that would help you. That strategy has worked much better for the Chinese on the African continent than anything else. And so I think if the WHO is, is smart and it's its tactics, it will understand that, that co-option and persuasion, let's give you this in exchange for that, would be much better than just demanding obeisance. During COVID, there was an issue, if I remember correctly, with Tanzania's head of state. Do you remember this?
1: There was someone who got himself killed. I, I think recall. yeah, I
0: think it was Tanzania's and he was a biochemist and he had let's <laughs> let's say Twitter bannable ideas about COVID and where it came from and how it should be treated. And then all of a sudden he was dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that does happen on an individual level, right? But entire countries, I would be surprised if they played hardball if they didn't have to.
1: Anybody who wants to track that down, it is in the, the Robert Kennedy book, uh, the real Anthony yep, Fauci. There you go. Uh, he, he he tracks that. Um, so, well, you just spoke about COVID as if COVID were over. <laughs> um, the the cases yep. are on the rise, but nothing's as fun. I mean, how to say this? COVID. I mean, that's it. It rolls off the tongue. It has a feel. It's like, what's that? What's COVID? But nothing yeah. sounds like monkeypox, man. Like that. They really branded this one quite well. And uh, the piece that I keep watching. I mean, I'll I'll just go on yeah. record with this, and I'm happy to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But the piece that I keep watching is the G7 war game that occurred last fall. Not unlike Project, what was it, uh, 201 or whatever, the thing that happened before COVID, that was 2019. Mm -hmm. This was uh, similar uh, funding, similar organization groups behind it, the same countries participating, and it tracked a new pandemic that would occur in 2023. And the whole thing is available online to see the the, the, the packet that they gave out, including the timeline of the events that they had to role-play. And wouldn't you know, Monkeypox was what they role-played, and wouldn't you know, May 15th was when the news came out that it first existed. And oh my goodness, look at that! It's actually like to the day. Like I mean, accidents happen, sure. All these kinds of things, but then, uh, so what? Where am I watching this? And where I'm asking you to be a little bit of a prophet for me? Tell me if I'm a false prophet. This kind of thing is uh, on that timeline. Uh, monkeypox appears May 15th and then it's just not not much happens until early June and it's in the first two weeks of June yeah. that it goes viral in a way unexpected and becomes lethal so that suddenly right. you have this thing that before was just sort of a a, a really bad chicken pox and we've got a, a vaccination we already bought copies of it we had plenty of ways to deal with it um, but now it's going to jump to something new and oh look we just passed a new treaty worldwide pandemic we'll clamp right. it all down and it it all just fits a little too hand in glove for me to be comfortable ignoring it at this right. point, and I'd love your yeah. thoughts. I,
0: I think the difficulty they're going to have with monkeypox is the same difficulty that they had with Ebola, maybe eight or nine years ago, and a difficulty that they originally had with AIDS or gay-related immune deficiency syndrome, as it was originally um, as HIV was originally termed. In that, it it seems to be too demographically specific. And to obviously presenting. So if you're talking about a respiratory illness that has symptoms that resemble colds, resemble flus, then mass fear and and terror and also desire to do something about it and, and extreme confusion. I mean, if you can sort of think back to March of 2020 or or even February, if you had awareness of it before then and think about maybe how you thought about this. And there were some very sincerely thoughtful people that I know that thought this is, this is going to be really bad. The reason that that was possible was because it didn't seem to be related to anyone's specific behavior. And it was invisible, I guess, until you were collapsing on the streets of you know mm-hmm. Shanghai. Yeah. So monkeypox has a problem, let's say, from a public relations standpoint of having really strange but obvious symptoms terrifying but obvious and then also being associated in people's minds some people's minds with being homosexual mm-hmm. and and so th- they're going to have to make that shift now <laughs> go back to whatever episode number it was i don't know where we did the early the early days of aids and if you go into that that archive that's maintained, I think, by San Francisco State University, maybe Stanford, it's somewhere in Northern California, you're going to find that Anthony Fauci, who is just such a, I mean, just such a character, right? Anthony Fauci was saying things on the news, which was a program in the evenings. And there were news magazine programs like Nightline and stuff like that. He would say on such programs you know, things indicating that, that that maybe your baby could get AIDS, right? So that was there, it, and and people got freaked out. And and completely anecdotally, it, it seems to me that many Lutheran churches began to offer individual communion mm-hmm. cups if they hadn't before then during the early and mid 1980s. So so people were freaked out about this, I think, right? I think, but. It didn't take off, right? It didn't change everyday life for everybody, probably forever. So if that's if that's the game plan, once again, maybe it doesn't have to be. But if it is, they're gonna they're really gonna have to shift how they're Absolutely. presenting. Absolutely,
1: right but now. that's that's just it. So in their war game, that's what happens in the narrative. So the the the, the prescription that they played out has that kind of mutative leap evolutionary yeah. leap taking place right. in the next two weeks and since you know there's laboratories in countries that rhyme with Wuhan that um uh you know have in the past uh, done illegal gain of function resource at the whims of yeah. global powers yeah um you know th- why not why wouldn't they why right. where what what do i have now that tells me you know what jonathan just trust that they're not doing this stuff like I, I just don't have that anymore to fall back yeah. on, and that's yeah. where, like, so I'm just, I'm not doing anything for the next two weeks. I'm gonna do my job. I'm gonna love my kids. I'm gonna have a normal life, but I'm watching the ground real close because yeah. I, um, it just smells so bad to me. I don't. know. It yeah. smells real bad.
0: I mean, if I can, if if there is a mitigation of your of your of your doom prophecy, right? If there is, it would be that. What is happening is a progressive alienation from natural life occurring on all kinds of fronts. To my mind, even more significant than the monkeypox thing right now is we don't have baby formula. Mm -hmm. Breastfeeding is is not possible for everybody, but also trans women are women and they can breastfeed. (laughs) Yeah, right. And then simultaneously, okay, within the past two weeks, simultaneously, Bill Gates is promoting artificial breast milk production. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, all of that, I mean, it, it's kind of like they don't need to put all their chips on monkeypox because even if that doesn't pan out, the alienation from nature is proceeding on many fronts.
1: Yeah. So, the, yeah. The whole food yeah. shortage into eating bugs and meat is bad and, climate change right. I mean, just on and on right. and yeah. on and um it's enough to make me want to turn the whole thing off but then i feel like i'm not doing my task both for the listener and uh and for my family to be aware but it's just uh the white noise is wearisome it wears <laughs> it wears me down i long yeah. for the days oh can i how can i do this i long for yeah. the days of the waterways yeah can we can we go
0: there? <laughs> yeah, no that's good because what we're going to look at and we can we'll just intro it this week and get into it more next week. What we're going to look at is how that that change of pace that created a need for management that we talked about with railroads last time how that affects not not just railroad managers or management or investment bankers which is sort of history from above, history from the perspective of the elites which is Carol Quigley's perspective. But I want to talk about food and, and how we get it, how we have gotten it, how we do get it, how we could get it, how we might not get it over the next several weeks in a, in a history of agriculture and, and, and eating in America from below, right? It's kind of history from below. And so to, the first thing to keep in mind is that you, you move from a world that moves at the pace that water and wind move. And when effort is applied at the pace that human and animal muscle moves, that what changes basically that gets us to this point, I think most basically are the energy inputs in everyday life, the things that harnessing electricity, harnessing nuclear power, harnessing the burning of fossil fuels for various purposes, the mining of rare earth minerals for batteries all of that is an acceleration that is hard to explain. So if you can think about it this way, let's say that you live in a town that in 1810, its main connection to the outside world is via water because that's actually pretty normal in American history. If you look at the way that things are settled and this is not unique to America, we just use it because almost all our listeners are Americans. I'm an American. It's it's what we're interested in. It also explains to us where we came from the Connecticut River Valley, the James River Valley, rivers and oceans are places that get settled because it's easy to move goods quickly and it's easy to move people and it's cheap and it's there. Okay.
1: They're like freeways now, before freeways. Yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. It's, you know, it's sort of, div- you know, God's freeways. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that is a seasonal reality, right? I can't move down or up the river at the same pace whenever I want at any time of year. I am subject to many other circumstances. Okay. So after waterways, I'm going to have roads. Roads are not going to do a whole lot, but they'll do something. And they're going to enable westward settlement. Now, road is a very, I mean, you almost want to think in many cases, more like something like what we would call a trail Mm -hmm. than a road. But now I I can move that way and I can take beasts of burden, but I'm still using animal and human muscle to accomplish things. And in certain cases, it was entirely human muscle. The settlement of Utah, for example, was accomplished largely, not entirely, but largely by people walking across the United States. It's kind of unimaginable and, Mm. and crazy, but that's what they did. So when life is going that way, my sense not only of my capacity to think we talked earlier about people not thinking but my sense also of how things can be solved and and what can happen i'm not so much interested in the technology or who invented what when and when did we steal what technology from the british because we sort of did to the british in the 19th century what the chinese did to us in the 20th okay we stole things and went home and built the same thing okay and then made money off it so that's fine we're not we're not as interested in that what i'm interested in is from below how does that make people think about how life works because if i now go to the world is as loud as wind and weather make it to now there is a noise going through my little village that used to be connected by water then there was a road maybe to the capital now there's a railroad and i can go to the capital in 20 minutes it used to take the whole day Now, who controls that railroad? Well, it's not God. God didn't put it there. And it's not a road that's maintained by largely local authorities in a very, let's say, biodegradable way, as most early American roads were. It's a railroad maintained by labor conscripted for that purpose and professional managers. And they determine the pace of life. The reason we have time zones, the reason I'm an hour behind Pastor Fisk as we record this is because railroads needed standardized times to keep things safe. Because I I can't have one guy thinking it's two minutes past the hour and another it's four minutes past the hour because they're going to collide with each other in 12 minutes if they have those differing estimations of what time it is. So we're going to standardize time. We're going to standardize life. That also changes your relationship to the sun because now... When the sun is directly overhead, it may not, in fact, be noon where you live. So if if I have a road that determines the pace of my life, and that road is managed by a man, and even the timing of my life is managed by man setting it, that's going to determine my sense, just to return to that example that we talked about at the beginning of the show, of gun control. I am not at all surprised when people think that, especially what you could call quick fixes, are normal or obvious, that when they say, don't give me your thoughts and your prayers, just do something, that they have this sense of immediate change necessary, immediate action necessary. Because I don't think that people's sense of life is really determined ultimately by what are to them their rational convictions. And I say to them, because we said a lot of people are not thinking rationally, nobody thinks entirely rationally, that's fine. We're human beings, but I don't think that they're sitting there, okay, here's my detailed case that I could lay out in 15 minutes for you for why and how I think it would be productive for guns to be taken away from private owners of the United States of America and all use of firearms reserved now for, according to the law, government authorities, and according to fact, government authorities plus criminals. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do that, and they're not going to do that because their life doesn't seem like something where patience, for example, is necessary. If I'm subject to seasons, whether it's how I live, it's it's how I make my occupation, right? This enormous percentage of Americans are farmers up to about 1910. Or if I'm not a farmer, but my, my life is determined by the ebb and flow of the currents, by you know, fish available, whatever it is that I do to go where I go and do what I do and eat what I eat, then my sense of life will not be subject to sudden changes. Okay. So in 2008, right, just here's a sudden change. No one is pushing for trans rights officially in either political party on any kind of large scale or with any kind of large voice. Barack Obama, doesn't want gay marriage to be legal in 2008 now we are way away from that okay how can that happen I don't think that that just happens solely because of media media is symptomatic of a pace of life built upon enormous amounts of energy usage that makes speed and therefore quick fixes obvious fixes natural seeming to us What I think occurs in a life in which managers and management are determinative is not only that, you know, their control is exercised differently than, say, a father would exercise it. It's also that inherent in being a father is a requirement, like inherent in being a farmer, is a requirement of patience, right? Think about James's description of a farmer in his letter. He waits for the early and the latter rain. He has to. That's how life works. A father has whatever hopes, whatever dreams, whatever aspirations, whatever desires, whatever things that it is that he needs to communicate to his children when they are born. But he can't say to his two-year-old, you know, come, you know, (laughs) build this house with me. He has to wait. He has to wait for what God has given to be developed in that two-year-old. Also, through his efforts, but he has to wait. Patience is important here. Not everything is subject to his control. When life seems to be ordered more by management, more by infrastructure, whether physical or mental you might even say religious infrastructure put in by man, then quick fixes seem obvious. Here's a problem. I was told that it was a problem. The managers made me aware that it was a problem. Here's the fix they are proposing. It's why I think you see much less variety in political opinion than you saw even 10 years ago, let alone alone 100. I've referenced before, for example, that more than 100 years ago, American national presidential elections Surround issues concerned with. We talked about this when we talked about the history of money. Issues of currency and what basis we should have for our currency, and should we have a government-produced currency? Should we have private bank currencies or state currencies as we did historically? And that all gets debated really from about 1800 to about 1900, maybe 1910, vehemently, and sometimes is even a national issue. The the reason I can't really imagine, and that's 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 a, that's not agricultural, that's a non-natural thing. Money is a technology, money is a tool, okay. But the reason I cannot imagine our nation doing such a thing anymore is because I don't think that our people have the patience mentally to think through those issues on any kind of scale. Okay. So this is not some sort of like naive faith in the common man. Okay. I don't, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that elites, which have always existed, would go into maybe a political rally in a mid-sized town. Okay. A, A Decatur, Illinois Okay, or a, you know, Senatobia, Mississippi or something. And they would show up and they would expect the locals to understand when they talked about these things, what was or was not wrong with our currency. And we therefore also because of the pace of life, even just with railroads, still much slower than today we had vast regional differences in these debates. So the Western states that produce silver obviously wanted silver to be some or maybe all of the basis of our currency. Northeasterners had one opinion, Southerners and Midwesterners had another opinion. The reason for that variety is that human beings had the space and the time to think through things. If I am at all pessimistic about the future, and I'm not really honestly pessimistic about myself or my own, or the people that I that I love, or the people that I work with, I'm pessimistic about the future, perhaps of the nation as an entity, okay, or of ruling powers as going on as ruling powers in perpetuity. I'm, I'm skeptical about that their ability to do that. The reason I am is because they're trying to command assent and consent for powers that no one even understands anymore. <laughs> Because they're not used to thinking. And so the only way that they can really get more power is by being as brazen as they have been and by, pr- by promoting quick fixes. They have to, right? Because life has gotten to such a pace that if you don't present something immediately, people will be gone. They, they, they won't pay attention to it. They will forget it. There are enormous tragedies that have happened in the United States in the past five years, some of them involving guns, some of them not. And all of them, except for the most recent one, are always forgotten. Mm -hmm. So they have to grab your attention right away. The managers have to, because they know that you're not really, they, they can't wait. They're not used to waiting. And they know that you're not really capable of waiting. That if they give you too much time, your attention will have shifted elsewhere.
1: It gets me. I mean, the kind of there's so much there, and we're we're kind of low on time. But it, um, I was thinking we were talking about the railroad yeah. setup and what a what a change that made from the pace of life that the waterway or even just kind of the the road well traveled uh, brought about in life. Human power, muscle power, wind power, water power, that. You know the railroad man's coming through, and and he's got his chain game working, and and they're they're putting the the, the tracks down, and the the boomtown's popping up, and they're you know the time of great change is coming. All right, everyone, yeah. you got to get ready. And they could not even begin. To imagine uh, what was going to happen to us <laughs> as a species, yeah. the, the complete, we're like a different species. And, and that's what you're making right. the case for. Yeah. Uh, if not an issue of dialect and language, something uh, transcending even that, a, a capacity to only think instinctually. And this is not to diminish, like the Bible's pretty clear that, like unreasoning animals, they are led astray by their passions and all this, just about kind of right. you know, mankind in general. But we seem to have found a particular steroid for this this version of us, and uh,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, instinct is the only word we have for it. But they're not following natural instincts, right? Right. right. And, and and so, I something I find very that resonates a, a great deal with me that that Paul does talk about is how in the last days men are without natural affection. That that things that should command and would instinctually command their desires and drive them. Like I, I would love a good old fashioned greedy robber baron with eight kids yeah. to whom he wants to leave his massive fortune because that would be comprehensible. But our our desires are to affirm that that trans women can breastfeed, right? I mean it's it is it is steroids it that's that's the right word for what is happening here because it is a pharmaceutical alteration of what is natural. And that is what has been so markedly strange about generally modern life in the past 150 years. And specifically, as we're going to talk about in the next several weeks, American agriculture and American food, because it changes and it becomes, if you think about different species eat different things, we are, it is as if we are a different species yeah, 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 because sure. our food is unrecognizable even to our great grandparents, let alone to people 150, 200 years ago. And that change has wrought havoc, I think, upon us. So what goes into your body, you would think would be a matter of natural opinion, of long custom, okay, this worked, my grandparents ate this, my parents ate this. But if I eat what my grandparents ate, I would be in even worse shape than they are. Hmm. So what we're dealing with is a, a departure from nature, and I want to focus on agriculture and food because it's so everyday and because if I were to be a, a prophet of doom, that's the thing about which I'm most concerned. I'm more concerned about grocery stores than monkeypox. Maybe I'll be proven wrong in that, but...
1: Yeah, I see I'm part of, they're part of the same storm. Yeah, it's right. just It's all...
0: But, but yeah, I mean... It, the, the reason that I'm concerned about it is because as we go forward, we are – and, and we, we already have – so much departed from nature in how we raise things and what we eat that it has made us into a different kind of people mm-hmm. that along with the use of psychotropic medication in order to handle life – has seems to have changed us, changed us fundamentally. Not just in okay, this is what we spend money on, or this is what's on the grocery store shelves, but this is what we think. This is how we think. These are our instincts, and not what would seem natural according to all the rest of human history, and so on, and so on, and so on. So I, I, I'm interested in how what we put into us has made us almost, as it were, a different species than even in some ways our grandparents were, at least when they were young.
1: He has to say nothing of the uh, eugenic mRNA, experimental CRISPR technologies coming soon to a right. doctor near you. Yeah. Um, I, there's so much there again uh, to try to maybe put a capstone on this leading into yeah. next time. The lack of space and time to think through things is what you're really starving for. You're... you're you're starving for good nutrition. That's true, and you're starving for real news, for truth, for words that don't change from underneath you and twist to be brought back on you. You're starving for rational conversation with people of good faith. But what you don't have enough of—that's making all these other things far more uh, exor- exorbitant than they than they should be—is a lack of space and time to just ponder, think, yeah. reason through what you've heard come to terms that you're comfortable with, uh, come to peace of conscience with where you are because you're looking for your own quick fix. And I say this because I'm, I'm the same guy, right? I, I want answers. I want to make it go away. I want to do something now. I want my life to be what I want my life to be. But that addiction that unnatural is that that maybe is his natural instinct to yeah, desire that instinct. yeah desire the hedonistic thrust of goodness now yeah that is something that all of us have to push back on with everything that we've got and i'll right. just leave us here today with proverbs nineteen two. then because it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge yet he who hastens with his feet sins if you're listening to a brief history of power you know where to find us or you wouldn't be here